Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. The year is 1483. I don't even know if my imagination can run back that far, but let's go. The year is 1483, and on November the 10th, Hans and Margaret welcomed their second son. So, you can imagine that, right? You can imagine uh, welcoming a child into your family's life. So, November the 10th, 1483, Margaret and Hans welcomed their second son. They named him Martin. Now, Hans and Margaret lived in a small mining town called Eiselben. It was then part of what was then called the Holy Roman Empire. Today, it would be East Germany. Now, soon after uh, Martin's birth, the Luther family moved to a larger mining town called Mansfeld. Uh, Martin's dad, uh, Hans, was a relatively successful miner and a smelter, uh, and Mansfeld was, you know, a larger town than uh, than than Eiselben. So his dad was hardworking, maybe where we get the Protestant work ethic, uh, and he wanted Martin to have a better life than his. So Hans Luther decided that he would do whatever was necessary to see that his son Martin, who was the most promising of the four boys, um, only two of whom, by the way, survived to to adulthood, um, he wanted Martin to become a lawyer. And so after making great sacrifices for him to attain proper schooling, in 1505, it seemed that Hans Luther's plans were about to finally be realized. His son was on the verge of becoming a lawyer. But then there was a thunderstorm and a vowel. That's right. In July of 1505, 21-year-old Martin Luther was caught in a horrific thunderstorm. Uh, So terrible was the storm that he feared for his life. He believed he was going to die. And he screamed out a vow, save me, St. Anna, which of course doesn't sound very Protestant at all. Save me, St. Anna, and I will become a monk. So again, you got to remember the context here. There is, there is nothing other than the Holy Roman Empire. There is nothing other than the Roman, what we would call now the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and so... He is crying out in the faith that he has been taught to a saint that he has been taught is the mother of the Virgin Mary and the patron saint of minors. Um, And he makes this vow, I shall become a monk. Now, he's been training to become a lawyer. His family has made great sacrifice for him to be educated to become a lawyer. So we can assume that God was already stirring in Martin's heart. God was already at work. God was already doing what God... (laughs) planned to do um, because Martin's lifelong commitment had been to be a lawyer, not a monk. And so we have to assume this didn't just like spring out of thin air. God's already taking hold of this young man's heart. And on uh, July 17th of 1505, 
Luther entered the Augustinian monastery at Erfurt. Um, so he was struggling for uh, throughout his adolescence with questions of assurance about his salvation, fearing that he could never do enough or be good enough or do enough good to deserve or earn God's favor. And for those of you who understand the difference between um, Protestantism and Roman Catholicism, that probably tells you a whole lot um, about where this story is headed and why we're talking about him on this Reformation Day. So from 1510 to 1516, um, Luther completed his studies. He traveled to Rome. He started lecturing at the newly founded University of Wittenberg. Um, And all this time, God is convicting Martin Luther that his righteousness was dependent upon God's grace, not upon anything that Luther could ever do. And so these themes of um, righteousness that is imputed to a person, justification by faith alone, in God's grace alone, in Christ alone, something that we apprehend through the scriptures alone and not by any other things added to the scriptures, Um, and that all of this would be to the glory of God alone, not to the glory of any person or human institution. So what become known as the solas of the Protestant Reformation, um, for Luther were really these discoveries of the truth that God reveals in the Bible. And so what we would call the doctrine of justification by faith alone um, was this rediscovery in the scriptures that really set Martin Luther spiritually on fire. And so it was on this day, October 31, in the year 1517, that a monk named Martin Luther posted a sheet of 95 theses on the university's chapel door. Now, that was how, by the way, you invited people to a discussion in Luther's day. It was like, you know, posting an invitation to a conversation. Hey, here are some things I would like to talk about. Well, this list of the 95 theses, you may know, um, is a devastating critique of the church's sale of indulgences, um, the withholding of the cup from the laity. It explained the fundamental um, issues that Luther had um, with the ways in which the church was leading people to believe that they had to do other things, that they had to add to what Christ had done in order to be assured of their salvation. Luther also, in addition to posting the 95 Theses on the door of the Wittenberg Chapel, Luther also sent a copy to the Archbishop of Mance, calling on him to end the sale of indulgences, which was, by the way, the way the church financed much of its extravagance. And so they didn't like that idea. Uh, And in Rome, cardinals saw Luther's theses as a very attack on papal authority, which, of course, it was. So in 1518, at a meeting um, in Heidelberg, Luther set out his positions. And after that meeting, he was told to recant his positions by papal legate, which is like an order of the court. He stated that he could not do that. He would not do that unless there was an appeal to Scripture and reason. Um, which they didn't provide, and so um, that resulted in his ultimate excommunication from the church. And so um, the rest, as we say, uh, is his history. Um, And if you are a Protestant Christian, if you are not a Roman Catholic Christian or an Orthodox Christian, then you are a Protestant Christian, and your practice of the faith you owe to a man named Martin Luther, So as the world carries on with Halloween today, I'm going to encourage us to remember that this is Reformation Day and give all glory to God. 
We're going to talk with April Redlinger next. She's the executive director of Cavanox. You say Canavox. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to mess that up. Canavox. What? What is Canavox? I mean, it's it sounds a little bit like Narcan, but that's not what it is. This has nothing to do with that. They're not even related, but that's what came to my mind. So what is Canavox? What, what does the word mean? What is happening in these reading groups? And how can you and I get in one? Because after you hear about it, that's what you're going to want. April Redlinger joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. April Redlinger is joining us now. She's the executive director of Canavox, which I am now going to ask her to define. April, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. How are you? Thank you so much for um, having us on here today. Absolutely. Okay. What Am, am I even pronouncing it correctly? And if so, yes. what does it mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's Canavox. Uh, so you're correct. And Cana. Um, comes from the the wedding feast at Cana in the Bible, and vox is the Latin word for voice. And so, um, what our group proposes to do is we propose to give marriage a voice. So that's where we got that name, giving marriage a voice, is our sort of tagline. Actually, it's giving the natural law um, version of marriage and sexuality a voice. Yes, but that's not even sexy to say in a sentence. So can, can, Canavox is way better. It's a way yeah, better yeah. name. Okay, I, I will just tell you, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to say that upon my discovery of Canavox, I don't even, like, it's one of those things where you don't even really know how you happened upon something. But once I discovered it, I thought to myself, where has this been my whole life? And why have I not known about it? Why am I not in a group or hosting a group? And why does everyone else that I know who is like secretly, like totally pro-marriage in the way that um, that you and I will be talking about, and yet has no way of positively articulating it in a culture that's just awash in negative definitions and understanding. So like you're like the best kept secret in the whole world, possibly. Well, thank you. Um, I well, we need to you know get all those problems solved for you. We need to get you in a group, and we need to get um, all your listeners in groups. They they really are. Um, it's such a special uh, organization to be part of. Um, we started in 2013, so we're at it's our tenth year anniversary this year. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, and we've grown over the years by word of mouth through people who are in our groups and um, who who know how wonderful they are. Um, and, you know, basically they, you know, we started as a project of the Witherspoon Institute. That's a um, organization in Princeton, New Jersey. It's an academic research Institute. And the goal behind that was, um, you know, Witherspoon Institute has done all of this wonderful research on marriage, family, and human sexuality over the past 20 years. Um, but you know, a lot of that information, because it's an academic institute, is staying with the academics, right? And so the goal was to bring all of this really great research information um, to the to the people out there, right? The people who are in the trenches, the, the moms, the dads, the families, people who are like, you know, married and, and loving marriage and supporting marriage, but um, they just didn't have the the arguments and the words and the background, the information to be able to support. Um, their reasons and their beliefs, you know, in marriage. So I liken it to the extension service of land-grant universities. 
So we had all of this incredible research being done at all of these land-grant universities across the country, but it was had no way of getting out to people in actual communities across the country who needed the information in order to apply it to their everyday lives. And that is how the county extension program um, actually was developed in the history of our country. And so I look at what you guys are doing, and I'm like, aha, Canavox is like the extension service of the university, which in this case is the Witherspoon Institute, like, right, there's this research in and, the, and these resources that have been developed, but they needed a way to get out into, like, actual people's living rooms. And so yeah. now let's talk about that. Let's talk about the vehicle through which um, all of this incredible research and resources are actually not just disseminated, but actually, like, no, like there's this chewing, there's this gnawing on that happens in these reading groups. Talk, talk about the, the reading groups and what they're doing. Yeah, I love how you describe that, the, the chewing on it. Um, so what happens is we have people who are interested in getting together with their like-minded friends to talk about marriage, family, human sexuality. So what we do is we provide them training and then we set them off and say, hey, you know, you can go start your group however you want. You can do it once a month, once a week. However you're comfortable doing it, you can do it in your home. You could do it at a, at a coffee shop, wherever you're comfortable. We have the we have groups in, um, you know, schools, parent groups get together before they or after they drop their kids up at school. They meet there. They have we have parents who meet in the evenings. And what they do is they get together and they um, we have a leader of the group who has been trained. And then that person is at, we say leader, but it really is a moderator. Right. That person is really a moderator of conversation. So prior to the group getting together, They'll go through the readings in one of our sessions. Um, they'll read those at home, preferably. Then they get together and they discuss those sessions. Um, usually the, the sessions are kind of put together to really encourage a dialogue. So they usually have one sort of academic piece, right, that gives sort of the support and the reasoning, some facts, statistics behind um, whatever particular issue it is. So like, say, pornography is the topic, right? You'll have like an academic piece or an article that gives you some, you know, like the meat to the the, the dinner, right? Um, and then you'll have a few personal narratives sort of help that academic piece come to life and really help get the conversation started on the particular issue. So there's a reading list and, um, and I love that. I love that you like let me see. You didn't keep it all hidden. It's right there on the canavox.com uh, website. Hey, if you're right. listening right now and you're like, I want all the information about this, I am more than happy. I'd be thrilled to text you the direct links. Just uh, just let me know you're out there and you want it. 877-933-2484. There's a reading list. There's also information there about how to host a group, how to find a group, all of that. When we come back, we're gonna um, we're gonna have April tell us um, what they're excited about. There's a whole section of the website called "What We Cheer For," um, and I want you to know that because it gives you a little bit of a taste, like an appetizer. It's like an amuse bouche since we're on the theme of um, of tasting together. So on this uh, Tasty Tuesday, as we taste and see that the Lord is good, and we talk about Canavox, I'd love to connect you with them, and we're gonna. We're going to talk next about what they cheer for. What are we cheering for? Don't you want to know what we're for, not just what we're against? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. 
I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word APP to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. What are you for? Do people know you for what you're for or do they just know you're against a bunch of stuff? What does it look like to be equipped to have conversations about every child having a right to a mom and a dad, but not every person having a right to a child. Are you equipped for that conversation? Um, How about the bonds between children and parents and grandparents and extended family and how those should be protected and preserved in the culture today? I mean, we're for that, but do you know how to advocate for that? Do you know how to talk about that? Do you know where the resources are? So Canavox, C-A-N-A-V-O-X, Canavox, which you can find at canavox.com, those are the kinds of things they're cheering for, and those are the um, those are the things that they are seeking to advocate and advance. Giving marriage a voice. We're continuing our conversation with April Redlinger, who's the executive director of Canavox. Um, this "what we're cheering for" section, I totally love because I'm exhausted by being against against a bunch of things, yeah. Um, yeah. and so you're equipping us to be for a bunch of things. Yeah, and this was very important to us in the very beginning. Um, to we really we call ourselves the cheerful marriage movement. Um, <laughs> Love that. We, we, you know, there's so much negativity out there, and that's not what we want to be. We want to we want to talk about what we're for, and not just be against one another. Um, and the, the cheer points that we created, they're the things that we believe in, and that we ask all of the potential participants of our groups, um, leaders, and just regular participants to agree with before that they join our program. Um, The seven cheer points just overall generally address seven different areas of human relationships. So you mentioned a few of them Um, and they just communicate the fact that healthy marriage culture is is not just about marriage, right? It's about all of these different issues combined um, and the relationships that interact and create the conditions for a healthy marriage culture. So it's it's really important for us um, to cheer about something and we are happy about marriage, right? That's like the it's so great and it's so beautiful and it's such a gift from God. So um, we want to cheer about it. Absolutely. Um, so, so first of all, I just love, I love this cheerful marriage movement. I am, I might steal that and have cheerful, <laughs> <Please do. laughs> cheerful other movements, the things that we cheer and cheering each other on and spurring one another on to love and good deeds. That is just all so good. Um, I'm going to just read one um, one paragraph from the website so you guys will get a sense of what's there. Um, do you want to invite certain marriage supporters in hiding? Marriage supporters in hiding. Do you know some of those people? Do you want to invite them into your living room? Canavox reading groups provide brain food for thought and encouragement to the weary so you and your friends can support each other in the exquisite truth about marriage rekindle some hope in your neighborhood, host a group. So there's all kinds of opportunities, again, to get connected to an existing group, to, to do the reading list, to absolutely um, uh, avail yourself of the resources on the What We Cheer For tab. Um, and and so, April, this is it's thrill. It's, my heart is thrilled. I hope you can hear that in my voice. Uh, yeah, I do. I really thank you so much. I'm so uh, 
you know, it means a lot to us when other people like see us and get us and get what we're doing, you know? So it's really, it's really great to see that. I love it. Thank you. So, um, you are, um, you are proximate to Princeton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we sure are. So, (laughs) so that's where I went to, that's where I went to seminary. So I'm super duper familiar with where you are. I know. Uh, I, I have caught the dinky at the Wawa. (laughs) There you go. We um, have some of our meeting. We have some of our meetings at the uh, over at the, some of the seminary buildings. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. so I'm noting that you studied at Boston University and Tulane Law School, and now you live mm-hmm. in Princeton. So, because you are proximate to a big U.S. university campus, um, I guess I could I just ask you to give us a sense of what you're feeling today about what's happening. Maybe not specifically at Princeton, but maybe. But there's there's just this. I have this deep concern for what's happening on our university campuses across the country. Yeah. Um, well, so it's interesting to say that because this past weekend we just attended part of um, one of a, a groups that we're sort of affiliated with is Love and Fidelity Network. That mm-hmm. is, a, it's a group that on college campuses they get college students together to talk about sexual integrity, and they just had their large conference this weekend. Um, and I was able to be with a bunch of college students, um, one in my daughter who just started college. So um, I'm actually I, I knew about a lot of the issues that are happening on college campus. But now I'm really seeing them sort of firsthand. Well, not firsthand, secondhand through my my daughter. Um, but I actually I, I see a lot of not great things happening, but I mm-hmm. also see so many good things happening and and. One, I saw that at this conference this weekend with these students who were listening to lectures all weekend, um, Brad Wilcox being one of them talking about his new book about why to get married, right? Getting married, how it's important for people individually for their flourishing, but also for the culture. Um, mm. but also, I see the goodness through um, the program that we started at Canavox, which is our Canavox Varsity program, which is reading groups for college students. And we um, have... I forget the number um, of volunteered leaders, but we also have a core group of leaders at various universities, 13 of them. Um, we have Princeton, Harvard, um, um, Naval Academy, West Point, um, oh, and a, a bu- bunch awesome. of others. Um, but we have them re- running reading groups um, at their colleges with their, their peers. And they're, they're amazing. When I tell you these students who are interested in this topic, interested in marriage and family and spreading the good news about it. Um, it's really inspiring. And and the group of students that we have are just unbelievable. And they're out there looking to share that message. And I, and I do see students um, who really want, want to get married and um, they, they know it's there. It's just that they're, they're um, work, working hard, against what's what's happening right pushing against them at the university but i think it's just seeing them that they're interested in getting married and and want to be part of the marriage culture is um and i don't know it's very inspiring all right now there's more here on the canavox website for you to check out um i definitely want you as you're scrolling around to click on the videos link because that's where you can connect with a number of canavox courses Helping your children navigate gender identity the high school years, helping your children navigate gender ideology in the middle school years, elementary years, sex, gender, and identity, on and on and on. There's stuff there for dads and daughters, sexual intimacy and marriage, what does a real man look like, 
um, on and on and on. So many um, good things here. And then just sort of like some straightforward questions about like, okay, what, you know, what if or, you know, what when, what now? Um, and that's the Dear Katie um, series of videos as well. So there's just so many good resources here. Um, you're going to be scrolling on your phone today doing something. I want you to be scrolling around on this, canavox.com. I'll send you the direct links if you need them. Just text me, 877-933-2484. April, what a delight. I hope you will come back and maybe we could just unpack one subject at a time. Yeah, we have so much. I would love to come back. when We have a new so program much fun. about for middle school and high schoolers too, so... All right. Well, the, well they wanna, we want to hear about that next. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. April um, Redlinger, thank you so very much. Again, you guys, the direct, um, you can just go there directly, Canna, C-A-N-A, Vox, V-O-X, or Cana Vox is probably how I'm supposed to be saying it, C-A-N-A-V-O-X.com. Um, thank you so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen today, where we're seeking to connect the mind of Christ and what's going on in your everyday world. So reconnecting the eternal with the everyday so that we can walk our faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus. What are you facing today? Uh, one friend listening is like, okay, just to be perfectly honest, what I'm facing today is the fact that my husband wants the cat in the house and I don't. So um, navigating all kinds of things today is what's in front of us. I know that. It is um, It is Tuesday. So we want to remind ourselves to not only taste and see that the Lord is good, but to um, to let others um, see Christ as we break bread with them. Like, what does that look like today? Um, what might a moment of broken bread look like in conversation with another person? How might Christ be made known in that moment? And as we concern ourselves with what is going on in all of the world, we recognize that there are many who will have no daily bread today. And so let's um, be praying the news in relationship to the desperation that people are encountering, famines across the central portion of of Africa, war in so many places, um, obviously the humanitarian aid um, that is needed by the people in Gaza, even in the midst of um, an ongoing war um, with Israel. The people of Ukraine are on my heart heavy today, as are the people of Acapulco. You have heard in the headlines that they are still recovering bodies from the ocean after uh, Hurricane Otis. And so just so many people in so many places hurting so desperately. So even as the world, you know, gets all dressed up today in Halloween costumery, um, let us be people who are concerning ourselves with the things that matter Um, And let's be putting on not only the full armor of God, but over all things, putting on Christ. Don't don't let your faith be a put on today. Like put on Christ today and and walk your faith out into the world that he so loves. Jason Jimenez is going to join us next. He is the authoring of Parenting Gen Z. What does it look like to guide your child through a hostile culture? You have a roadmap for that? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jason Jimenez is joining us from Standing Strong Ministries. You can find Jason at standingstrongministries.org. He is joining us today to talk about parenting Gen Z, guiding your child through a hostile culture. Jason, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, All right. Remind us, you know, because we've slept and not every one of us has a Gen Z person in our house, right? So when we're talking about Gen Z, 
Who are we talking about? How old are they right now? And why is parenting them so challenging? Well, if you have a tween or a teen or somebody in college, that is a Gen Zer. That is somebody who's eating all of your food or maybe they have <laughs> hormonal problems or they're stressing you out and you're filled with anxiety. That's Gen Z. They are the ones that are born after 2000 to about 2015. And they make up about close to 70 million in America. Wait a second. How many? That's a lot of people. About, yeah, about 70 million. They're the second largest generation next to millennials. And the people parenting Gen Z, so the parent generation, let's just imagine that they are at least 25 years older than that, right? So, you know, maybe born as late as 85, but maybe born as early as 1970. I mean, something like that, right? That's kind of yeah. the range of parents. Okay. So yeah. that that crowd, that, you know, late 60s to mid 80s crowd that had these babies, like that's not a very well-discipled group of people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, actually, I, I just, yeah. I, I think this is the challenge. We Parenting Gen Z is challenging because the people seeking to parent Gen Z, not necessarily super well-discipled. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Carmen, that was, in this research, it took me about three years to research with Focus on the Family and to put together. But obviously, this is, I've raised four Gen Zers. We got two in college. My wife and I have one in high school, one in middle school. So we're right there with everybody else and with our peers and a lot of our friends and you're right. It's a very diverse group of people who are actually raising Gen Z. And that was my mission is not only to understand, yeah, what are the characteristics that are within Gen Z, but more specifically, who are the parenting groups who are raising them? And unfortunately, like you said, only about 4% of the parents who are actually collectively, again, people are professing to be Christians who say they're raising their children in a Christian home. Only 4% of them have a biblical worldview, meaning they understand what they believe and why they believe it. The vast majority of Christians who are raising Gen Z, a lot of them come from blended families. A lot of them are baby boomers. So they've been married once or twice or maybe three times. And so they're having those other children later in life. That is the makeup of Gen Z. And the reality is most of them will say to their child, hey, God has a plan for your life, but they don't know the specifics of what that actually means which is why I thought it was so vitally important towards the end of Parenting Gen Z book that we actually give guideposts. We help parents understand what does it actually mean when you say God has a plan for your child's life and giving them a roadmap because most of them don't know how to lead them. Yeah, when you talk about the characteristics that you discovered about Gen Z, I want you to unpack some of those. Um, this is the, quote, most non-Christian generation in American history. Yeah, I mean, I, I know when it came to the millennials, a lot of people are talking about the abandonment, leaving the faith, that sort of thing. And now you get to Gen Z and everyone's like, oh, you're making a big deal. You said that about the previous generations and everything's just so messed up. And and I know that we can get so into these superlatives or adjectives, like, you know, you kind of lose track and think people are just blowing up you know, the, the whole case or you're blowing steam. But the reality is Gen Z is by far the less Christian generation that we've seen, even in comparison to the millennial generation. And the reason because of that is this progressive mentality, which is another characteristic that is very common among Gen Z. They believe that they're Christian, let's say, which is only about a third of them, really, when you look at it. 
And again, if I said there's about 70 million, million of them, what does that tell you? Now, most of them believe in God. A lot of them are very spiritual. They're very creative, which is another characteristic, which I love about Gen Z. Um, they're very opinionative. They're well-read. A lot of them are well-read, um, but they just don't know how to critically think through issues pertaining to life and destiny and morality. So this progressive mentality that is really substituted with social justice movement has really hijacked this generation. They want to be a part of a cause that's greater than themselves. That was very true for any generation. But particularly with Gen Z, as we're seeing this massive portrayal, this false portrayal that is of Christianity, a lot of them are now advancing a view this with this progressive mentality of inserting Jesus into their lifestyle, their sexual orientation, whatever the case may be. And that is not what we've seen in previous generations so when we understand that with the digital obsession, obviously with Gen Z, they're very ethnically diverse. I'm biracial, so I love the fact when I'm relating to a lot of Gen Zers, they come from blended families, but they also come from families that are mixed in their nationality and their ethnicity. So it's the most ethnically diverse generation that we've also seen in America. So as that continues to evolve, we have to learn to understand what these makeups or these characteristics of our Gen Z in order for us to actually effectively engage them for Christ. I think we, uh, I think we totally recognize that, um, or it's easy for us to see that Gen Z wants to be like on the move, mobilized. They've got signs. They're out there in the streets. They're chanting about any number, any number of things. Um, they're not necessarily discerning truth in all of that. They are doing what a crowd is doing, and that crowd has a lot of energy, and there are probably some people who they think they want to be like or be liked by who are, um, in a sense, leading them. But mostly it's just a it's just all of them together. It's a little bit leaderless. Am I reading that right? That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, I mean, it's because fundamentally, unfortunately, Gen Z are being raised by um, people who are not their dads. I mean, if you think about it, out of the almost 70 million, 12 million of them are raised in a single home and 83% of that are women, right? And that's unfortunate for the women who are raising these kids as single parents because that's hard. My wife and I minister to a lot of single moms and, and single dads. So yes, in that sense, there, there's this this uh, destruction that has taken place among the family unit. And there are a lot of movements that are trying to destroy the nuclear family. And that's what Gen Z has seen. And so what do they do? They devote themselves, like you said, to causes that are leaderless. They have a vision supposedly, or they go viral on social media. So they think that's something great, that's something meaningful, that has purpose. But when you talk to these individuals, whether they're rioting in the streets or they're on college campuses and they're they're basically, um, you know, fighting against, you know, um, free speech. When you pull them aside and talk to them and I've 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 pulled aside and talked to thousands upon thousands, if not tens of thousands of Gen Zers. And sadly, Carmen, the reality is, and you know this and many of the people listening, they are directionless. These are young people who don't have purpose and meaning in life. They're searching for it. They're looking for it. And so this whole false notion that you are the you are the purveyor of your own truth is something sadly that they have fallen um, um, they've fallen for, and and this is something we need to help them as Christians to teach them that God is the ultimate standard of right and wrong, 
and he is the ultimate truth and he has a purpose and a meaning for their life. I just came from a church in Oklahoma sharing this very thing. And a lot of kids scratch their heads thinking, yeah, but there's evil in the world. Therefore there can't be a God. And they're always looking to the wrong of the world and they never really achieve or understand or fully accept the truth of the world. And that is that God exists and he does have a purpose and a plan for their life. So yes, leading them in a way that they're being led without a leader that who has moral truth is devastating and destroying this generation. Mm. Jason, that's so good. Um, so this is heavily researched. Um, I really appreciate um, that about what you what you're offering here um, in this in this book. Um, it's it's easy. It's accessible. You can jump around. You can find the subject that is, you know, like just you're so concerned about right now. Maybe you don't know how to talk with your. Um, with your tween or teen or college student about faith, but maybe you don't know how to talk with them about porn or LGBTQI issues or abortion or depression. Um, and maybe you don't know how to help them set limits on gaming or monitoring their social media um, time and activity. Okay, so all of those are covered in here as well. But I would say that the... Um, the the blessing of this book is just this honest conversation um, that Jason offers to those of us who are parenting this generation and we feel like we're in a, I don't know, we feel like we're in a maze of some kind and he actually helps us find our way through that um, even in the midst of a hostile culture. So this is a this is a book you're going to want to get if you've got tweens or teens or want to understand them or want to participate in parenting one um, because they they need to be parented, whether or not they're actual like biological parents are doing it or not. We all need to be on board with this. Parenting Gen Z, guiding your child through a hostile culture. More with Jason Jimenez in just a moment. You can find all of this at standingstrongministries.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I'm going to read the uh, opening of Parenting Gen Z, Guiding Your Child Through a Hostile Culture. Jason Jimenez is here with us as the as the author and really the energy behind this project. Parents today are in panic mode. We don't know what else to do, one desperate mother told me. She and her husband had been trying for years to get their teenage son some help for his depression. Nothing seems to work. She said their son remains dependent and shut off from the rest of the world. Oh, despondent, probably also dependent, and shut off from the rest of the world. Another parent, a man in his late 40s, felt like a failure, blamed himself for his two grown sons' loss of faith. With eyes filled with tears and a crack in his voice, this father pleaded for God um, to help, um, praying for hope, to renew renewal of hope that his sons would one day return to faith in Christ. If you've got a prodigal, um, if you are concerned about um, tweens and teens and college-age students, if you know parents 
who are struggling in the way the ways in which these parents are articulating their struggles. Parenting Gen Z, guiding your child through a hostile culture um, is uh, just highly recommended resource for you today. Jason, talk with us about the research um, behind this. This is a project with focus on the family. Yeah, I mean, like you just said in the opening, I mean, I, and I do talk about other personal stories in my own life, as well as obviously people that are anonymous, right? We just change the name, but the story is mm-hmm. true. And that was, I would say the real research is life experience, working with for 25 years off and on with parents of millennials and parents of Gen Z and raising four of my own and being a pastor and working in apologetics and traveling and working with Christian schools, public schools, charter schools. I mean, you name it, um, all walks of life and gathering this type of information and over and over and over again. That's the whole point is how do we guide? How do we parent? How do we raise champions? You know, that was something I was really big in the 90s when I first started uh, youth (laughs) ministry. Raising spiritual champions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Raising spiritual champions. Building cathedrals, man. That's what we're doing. I know. Yeah. And it it had a great concept, but what was not there like it is, unfortunately, today, again, since Obergefell case in 2015 with same-sex marriage being legal now. And the rise of many young people buying into this bodily autonomy that I have a right to have an abortion if and when I get pregnant, right? And I could terminate that pregnancy, and that is my human right. I mean, and then I determine my own gender. This is a hostile culture. This is what parents are raising their kids in, and a lot of them want nothing more than to see their child live for Jesus Christ And that is not what's taking place in the culture today. They're seeing that there is not just a brainwashing, but a hijacking. So a lot of my research was devoted into having these type of conversations and counseling sessions and parenting seminars. Of course, it's always a blessing to partner again with Focus on the Family, who has a wealth of knowledge and experience and a lot of data working with clinical psychologists. And we also worked uh, hand in hand with other leading experts like Impact 360 that reaches mm-hmm. out to young people and summit ministries where I'm a faculty member and talking to a lot of other people who are teaching and trying to train up this next generation with a biblical worldview. So I'm telling your listeners that this is a tried and true uh, method that we put together to help guide your child in a hostile culture, knowing what we are all up against and knowing that we cannot do it alone and we cannot do it clearly without doing it in the mighty hand of God, according to Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Um, I appreciated um, the the content from Kathy Koch's um, mm-hmm. book um, because I do think that when we talk about the things that Gen Z believes about themselves, these lies they believe about themselves, this was such a good um, summary list. Um, number one, I'm the center of my own universe. Two, I deserve to be happy all the time. Three, uh, I must have choices. Uh, four, uh, I am my own authority, and five, information is all I need, so I don't need teachers. Um, it could be that the social internet is all I need, so I don't need teachers, because um, I'm not even sure information is a fair word there for what they're getting most of the time. These sort of selfie culture um, truths that they believe, they're all lies, every single one of them. Yeah, they're lies, and that's going back to what we just said in the first segment. See, that's the point. If we realize that that is what is being focused on our kids. And let's be honest, let's let's face the music. This is demonic. This is being engineered uh, from an enemy who has tried to thwart and oppose God's will in his creation from the start. 
And he obviously, as we know, in the garden, tempted Adam and Eve and twisted the words of God. And that's exactly what we're seeing with this generation. And again, there's nothing new under the sun, Carmen, as you know. But what we need to understand as as older Christians, particularly as parents and grandparents, is we not only have a duty, but we are to steward the children that God has given us. And we see this Hebraic method from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Psalm 78. And when we see Paul ministering to Timothy and Titus before you know, he was beheaded and martyred for his faith, he poured his life into the next generation. And that's what we need to do. And knowing full well that even though they espouse or they spout out certain things that they believe to be true, whether it be, again, my bodily autonomy or I determine my own gender, whatever the case may be, here's the truth of the matter. And this is to encourage everybody listening. Most of them don't buy into that. Most of them do not believe that. They're just regurgitating or they're just saying what they saw on TikTok or what is popular or what is viral. And let me give you just a small little anecdotal case of this. I was teaching at Summit Ministries where we teach a biblical worldview for children, for kids 16 to 25, young people. And one young person sat with me during a meal when I already gave three lectures on the problem of evil and doubt and the reliability of scripture. And she's sitting there with a group of her friends in a small group, and they just had a discussion the night before, before I came to teach. And they have about 15 different instructors in a given two-week span. So I'm one of them of many. And they're saying, we wanted to talk to you because a lot of us bought into the lie when we were in high school and were experimenting or pretending or saying we were a lesbian. One went so far as dating a a girl and had a same-sex relationship, knowing full well from start to finish that that was not only not her, but that it was a sin against God. And yet she did it for approval's sake. So what they're willing to do to receive false acceptance is a notion or insight of what this generation is going through and the lies they're believing. So what do we need to do? We need to model the faith, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, and show them and call them out. And that's one reason I dealt with in the book about discipline and authority. Don't be afraid to exert the authority that God has given you. That's what they need. Talk about that. Talk talk about exerting appropriate authority because many of us – don't that we misunderstand the word authority and the ways in which we've experienced it in our own lives um, are certainly not you know things that we want to duplicate. Oh, and I have like a minute to offer you because I'm supposed to be wrapping. Yeah, well, obviously, I encourage people to get the book. So thank you, Carmen, for this yeah. time. But yeah, one thing I would just say is is think of the word discipline, and this is very hard, for, especially for younger parents who are maybe millennials themselves. They want to be best friends. They want to be besties with their children. That's not what Mm -hmm. they need, particularly as they're developing. We are to be an anchor. We are to be somebody who is, who is a marker of what is right and what is wrong. We are to put boundaries in children's lives and have consequences again, that fit the crime. Okay. That is the key thing. And that type of structure consistently is going to benefit your child, not in terms, not, not only in their attitude, but their way of how they live life, giving them a proper perspective. So authority is key when you're raising, obviously, Gen Z. It's so good. It's so good. Your content is so wonderful, Jason, and you are so winsome. Thank you so much. You guys can connect with Jason online. You can get the YouTube channel and all of that through standingstrongministries.org. Highly recommend all of their content. Um, The book we're talking about today, specifically Parenting Gen Z, Guiding Your Child Through a Hostile Culture. 
Hey, um, we know that it's a it's a labyrinth out there, um, but we know the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Today is um, Halloween. People are going to be dressed up in all kinds of costumery. Let us put on Christ as we get out there into the world that he so loves. And hey, people are going to come knocking on your door today. So be prepared to receive them well with joy and with light and with winsomeness. Um, And yes, have something sweet to share with them that uh, people might taste and see that the Lord is good. It's Tasty Tuesday. It's also uh, Knock Knock Joke Day. So knock, knock. Uh, Who's there? Mm -hmm. Carmen. Carmen who? Carmen to my parlor, said the spider to the fly. Uh That is all I have for you today. I know. (laughs) That is the summary statement of the show. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.